I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about the collapse of the United Kingdom. A few elites conduct a rash experiment that goes terribly wrong, thanks to their stupidity and short-sightedness and the actions of a group of campaigners. Desperate, rage-infected people start to attack anyone different to themselves, causing mass panic and leaving the country fractured, leaderless, and isolated. The remnants of British society can do little but scrabble to get by and ask one another, how did it come to this? That's what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of 28 Days Later, or indeed a factual news report about right now. But it's actually a podcast in which two thoroughly disheartened men attempt to distract themselves from everything going on outside by talking about and reviewing films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me in the sea of despair, Danny Moran. Hello. This week, me and Sam both went to see Independence Day Resurgence separately. As the credits rolled, I was more than a little perplexed. Where was Jeff Goldblum? Why was it in black and white? Why were there no aliens? It turned out I accidentally seen Embrace of the Serpent, a Colombian film about an explorer in the early 20th century searching for a rare healing plant. Never mind, I said, chuckling to myself. I'm sure Sam will have fared better. But when I met him, he was similarly confused. Apparently the new Independence Day stars Jodie Whittaker and mainly takes place in a shed. After some judicial googling, we uncovered that he'd actually gone to see Adult Life Skills, a low-budget British comedy from first-time director Rachel Tunnett. Oh well, I guess that's what we'll be reviewing this week. We also discussed whether White Chick is actually the most intellectually stimulating film premise ever, contemplate whether Billy Zane's character in Titanic was horribly misunderstood, and one of a Dwayne Johnson's possible turn as the Wolfman is the best bit of casting in the world ever in the history of time. All of which gives me just enough time to pitch my idea for a sequel to Gods of Egypt entitled Gods of Egypt's 2 Unfinished A New Business, in which Tilda Swinton plays Ra. That's as far as I've got. <laughs> That's an Anubis-based joke. Yes. Yeah, just saying Correct. in case any of our listeners didn't get it, because it was good joke, you know, I don't want them to miss out. Well done. Chat has been 
So Jazzy B, Jazzy Bagger, the Jazz Bagman has <laughs> he goes by many names. He has gone in again to um, bring our attention to an interview with Billy Zane. Billy Zane, of course, famous as playing the Phantom in that movie, The Phantom, but also playing the annoying boyfriend Cal from Titanic. Anyway, in a recent interview, he was defending his character, saying he was a little misunderstood. I wasn't the iceberg. I did not drown 2,000 people. I think he found redemption by the end, and I wish he had found her on the rescue boat and was able to right his wrongs. Her, meaning Kate Winslet's character, Rose. Jazzy B, the bagman, Jazdy. <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to be that fond of this new uh, nicknames. Says, well, I totally disagree with Zane. He was not misunderstood. Cal's a complete ass face. Cal slapped and shot a gun at Rose. Why would she choose him over Leo? And I was like, that's pretty odd. That's he's like, point. very odd. But from what I remember, is it revealed at the end of the film he kills himself a year later? He perhaps becomes a character wrapped with guilt. Maybe Zane's referring to the unseen part of his character's life and feels sympathy for him. Anyway, in the movie, he's pretty villainous. Right. Well, so maybe Zane has... Uh... He's done some background work. Yeah. He's judging his character because he's an actor, right? So he's got to play it from Cal. Cal's the hero in his point of view. Of course. He's got to play That's it the way, way. you've got to play it. Yeah, because he's in his own life. The, the audience is only judging Cal from the events on the ship Titanic. Yeah. Whereas Billy Zane is judging him from his entire life, his whole <laughs> life's history. When he wasn't on the ship, he was probably quite a saintly character. Yeah. That was probably the last time he slapped or shot a gun at a woman, you know? But if he had got Rose off the ship, right? I mean, they still, it'd be the same result, right? Jack still would have died, but he would have drowned, which probably been quicker, quicker death. He does drown. No, but he, like, he freezes to death, then drowns. Right, yeah, I mean... So, yeah. I know, it's overall, a, it's really only a better. Ten, it's only a technical... T- I don't know if that's better, is it? <laughs> I think better. <laughs> I think slightly better. You'd rather drown cold, like, warm than cold. Yeah. Or cold than warm. You'd rather be cold and then drown than, than be warm and then drown. You'd rather drown in the Arctic <laughs> than in the bath. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying... Oh, God, he okay. dead before he went... He didn't drown at all. He's not dead. He just li- Why would she let him go if he was alive? I thought he just uh, slips out of her grasp. No, she lets him go. That's the whole fucking point. Anyway, um, I think I'd rather drown than freeze to death, going to be honest with you. That'd you'd be my preference. You'd rather drown than freeze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Same. So yeah. my point is Billy Zane's the hero oh, of the film. Billy Zane's the hero. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that in the movie, <laughs> they're definitely making the case that he's not a good guy, right? Yeah. I would say that the audience is expected to root for him not to get the girl. Also, he saves that little kid, doesn't he? Does he? That's how he gets on the rescue boat. He's like, she's my daughter. I'm all I've, she's all I've got. Yeah. But was that kid going to get on the boat anyway? Well, that's painted as a selfish move, but perhaps it's quite good for that. Well, it was good for the girl, isn't it? Yeah, and that girl grew up to become... Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> First female president of the United States. What a story. Thanks a lot, Carl. <laughs> How old is Hillary? <laughs> 110? <laughs> she gets a lot of sexist abuse, you know, but she looks fantastic. Looks, looks fucking All things great. considered. Just keeping it tight <laughs> for 110 year old. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, I think that's, I, I think that she makes a pretty good, Zane makes a good case. Yeah. Well done, Zane. Team Zane. He's currently writing an Agony Aunt column for Empire Magazine, I believe. What, really? <laughs> yeah. Did you not know that? No. <laughs> yeah, I just, sorry, how did that pass me by? Well, I thought, you know, it's it's interesting news. I thought maybe What's it we're... called? 
I don't know, Zane Explains. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's probably not what it's called. That's just me making that up. But there you go, it's a little fact. I remember because Chris Hewitt was talking about it on, the, on his podcast, his vastly inferior podcast, and they were delighted because it was like some joke he made years previously, but then he actually managed to make it happen. Um, before we continue, Sam, uh, I know a lot of listeners will be angry at me because I made a mistake in my Warcraft review, or at least my part of it. I said that Sean Maguire was in the film. I was, in fact, referring to the actor Rob Kaczynski, but they were both they're both hunky guys who used to be in EastEnders, and they look kind of the same. So that's why I got that wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm sorry, Rob. I've been, I, that's actually, that's been playing on my mind, you know. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to humiliate you, but I can't think of it. That's a big deal. I'm glad you apologized for it. Yeah. Who does Rob play? Is he all grim? Yeah. Yeah. He's Duratan's bald. Big, bold mate. Tusky friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just got to make that, you know, perfectly clear. Thanks a lot. Um, you posted something quite exciting on the film chat Facebook page this week that I very much enjoyed watching. Um, it's the trailer <laughs> for uh, Inferno, the new uh, Dan Brown movie, the third in a series of... Uh, uh, Robert Dan Brown Langdon. adaptations, Robert Landon films with um, Tom Hanks as Rob, Robbie L, Da Vinci Code and Angel Demons. Now this one, is there any clamoring for it? I don't know. They must have made some money, right? They're popular know, books. Um, so they're making another one. And the trailer is pretty bad. It's a bit of a throwback, you know? It's kind of a trailer for like a TV movie. It looks like it's like made for Channel 5 kind of thing. It's an, Yeah, it's amazing. It's so badly edited, it, it becomes genius, I yeah. think. It's almost like the trailer is mocking the film, in fact. <laughs> because it's like, it doesn't just go for a thrilling atmosphere, but it, it feels like you're not going to see the movie unless you know the twist before you go in. So it just explains pretty much, just takes you through chronologically just the whole film, pretty much. Probably right up to the final act. Should we hear Which a bit? Like they usually do in a rom-com. A bit? Are you kidding me, Danny? Okay. <laughs> I actually think it's better experienced only through the audio. I think that really gives you a good sense of the pacing of it. So I think we should play the entire trailer. If you don't want to hear it, you'll have to skip ahead two and a half minutes. But that would be a mistake. It appears you're out of options. Tell me about the threat. None as Inferno. <sighs> Professor Langdon. We need your help. Three days ago, a man killed himself. We think he was part of something much bigger. There was a package in his pocket. And what was it? It's Dante's Inferno. Dante defined our modern conception of hell 700 years ago. But these circles of hell have been rearranged. Why Dante? Why this map of hell? Dante. Dante's death mask. Yes. We've got to get to Florence. I need access to the Dante mask. The Dante mask is no longer here. It was stolen. Here's the security footage. Professor, that looks like you. I have no memory of taking that mask. You did? I just saw you. I want to know what I'm involved with. Why was someone shooting at you? Everything is out of focus. Professor, you are having visions, aren't you? The people behind this would do anything to protect the truth. You have no idea what they're capable of. This is what I have been seeing. Look, look, look. This is not in the original painting. Here's another one. Prophecy. Oh, my God. Dante's Inferno isn't fiction. It's a prophecy. Someone created a plague. Our population is spiraling out of control. Inferno is the cure. They're going to wipe out half the world's population unless we find this virus. They left a trail. 
You won't be able to trust your own thoughts for a while. Human lives are at stake. If a plague exists, you know what governments will do to get it. The professor has become a liability. Go, go, let's get him. There's always a way out. It's nice to have you back, Professor. If this plague is real... Then we only have 48 hours to stop an extinction-level event. I will do everything I can to find it. Where's Dante? Where's Dante's mask? Dante. Dante's yes, death mask. Yes, Dante. Yeah, I was, I was trying to learn this. I was trying to learn this by heart, because it's going to become my mantra. I think when I'm, like, um, like meditating... I'm just going to start saying that to myself. What is it? Why Dante? Why this math? Why this map of hell? Dante. Dante's death mask. Yes. We need to get to Florence. <laughs> when you're on your deathbed and you've forgotten the names of your children and wife, that will remain. Why Dante? <laughs> why this map of hell? Dante. Dante's death mask. If I like, if I'm auditioning for a part and I get to choose my monologue, it would just be everything that he says in the trailer. <laughs> just lined up dante <laughs> i like the way that he can he sort of uh, is really worried about the map of hell being different it's like something has changed in the map of hell they've made it slightly worse <laughs> there's also a bit in the trailer where he says something like uh they're talking about dante's death mask you go to florence <laughs> and then it's something like it, that looks like you and i thought they'd gone to find dante's death mask but dante looked exactly like tom hanks, tom hanks. and he was like i don't remember sitting for this death mask I don't remember. I don't remember them putting the mold on my face to make this death mask. I don't remember being Dante. (laughs) Am I Dante? But it turns out he's like brainwashed to steal it. That was the impression I was getting. Yeah. It's going to be good. I'm really excited for it. Um, Yeah. So thanks for putting that out, Tony. Hey. It's just what I do. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Not Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. So, the latest in the shared universe spate, you know, everyone's trying to launch their shared universes at the moment. Sure. And um, Universal are trying to do this by. Um, remaking all their old monster movies and putting them all together in the same universe i guess it's a bit like what disney are doing um with their old classics except if they were trying to put beauty and the beast in the same universe as like uh, cinderella and then do like some kind of avengers style thing at the end where they all appear in one film which would be awesome. wait a second that's a brilliant idea that's awesome it'd be like enchanted or something uh anyway that's by the by. So, um, Universal, they have The Mummy in the works with Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe. And they're also making The Invisible Man with uh, Johnny Depp, which is a very appropriate role for him right now. He's going to want to be keeping a low profile. Yes. And um, they're also planning to do The Wolfman. And they are lining up Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's going to be switching his nickname to The Wolf, probably. <laughs> <laughs> For the he role. does for every role. Yeah. <laughs> Changes his nickname. <laughs> to whatever his character is. It's currently Dwayne the Spy Johnson. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I mean, that is about all we know for it. They're setting it up for April the 13th, 2018. The writer is the same guy who wrote Prisoners, um, which was that Hugh Jackman, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal film, a guy called Aaron Guzikowski. And yeah, it's a bit of an odd choice in a way because the, for these kind of monster transformation films to have maximum impact you would anticipate they would cast someone who's not particularly monstrous 
kind of a weedy intellectual character. Yeah. Whereas Dwayne the Rock Johnson could probably already kill a wolf. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So turning him into a wolf man, also, I don't know how much is that going to enhance his physical prowess. He's also very shiny as a man, I would say. Not very, not at all her suit. I can't imagine. Oh, I see what you mean. Hair, right, yeah. Or chest hair. But, no, but, but I think that's good, right? All right. So that's well, one what aspect, he should is be good. is like a hairless, skinny, like the <laughs> like, opposite of a wolf. Like so the transformation like, is the like best. Richard O'Brien or something. <laughs> He's Richard O'Brien. You know, from the host of Crystal Maze and from Oh, yeah, Pictures sure. Show. So, like, bald, yeah. like, you know, shiny man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it should be someone who looks nothing like a wolf. What's the opposite animal to a wolf? It should be someone who resembles, like, a, a whale or something. A whale? <laughs> Just an animal that doesn't... A salmon. A salmon. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... Are these Strange choice. Um, films, do we know if they're keeping the period setting? Are they going to be Victorian-era, you know, steampunky stuff? I don't think we know. Because the wolfman, right, he's like a sort of just Victorian gent who becomes a wolf. I think right? so, yeah. I mean, uh, I believe in the original movie. I was just reading the Wikipedia page briefly, and as far as I can tell, he's just a Welsh guy, goes to his virgin Wales, rumours about wolves, gets bitten by a wolf, becomes a wolf. <laughs> Starts killing people. I'm all for colorblind casting, but it'd be quite funny if, like, it's just like this huge Samoan guy <laughs> in Victorian London. And, like nobody else. Yeah. Oh, Victorian London. I thought maybe he's still or, gonna be in a village. Oh in yeah, Wales. Wales. Like, why is this huge yeah. <laughs> Polynesian American guy? Actually, I would love to see him attempt like a sort of English accent Hello. or a Welsh accent. My name is Dwayne Johnson. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So one of the films film chat is looking forward to um, is Swiss Army Man, the farting boner Daniel Radcliffe corpse movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had me at farting. You had me even more at boner. <laughs> <laughs> I was there at corpse. I was I'd, balls deep in I was Daniel balls Radcliffe. deep in Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the directors who would just go by the moniker of the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sheenut, uh, who are uh, obviously doing the rounds for the press, and uh, they people asked me about what uh, project they like to do. And one of the Daniels said, one of my dreams is to make White Chicks as a hard R Oscar-worthy drama starring the original cast. It would be about gender and race relations in the 21st century. Starring the Wayne Brothers. I don't know if you have seen White Chicks lately, but it has a lot of meat to it and explores everything like class, gender, race, the handicapped, and age. So he's making the point that White Chicks, for those who haven't seen it, I've, I watched the trailer today. The Two of the Wayne Brothers are FBI agents who have to... Uh, look after a couple of white chicks who might get kidnapped but for some plot development they like kill them or something so they take on they become the the white they become the white chicks through some plastic sort of i don't know mrs doubtfire-esque yeah disguises and then have to sort of like mix with these sort of airhead beverly hills types um but they've actually they're black guys but pretending to be white chicks sure i mean you can see where the last are coming from exactly they're being very different to how they are uh, but I like the approach of just taking very broad comedy premises, 
tackling them in as like direct, frank, and dramatic a way as possible in order yeah. to get to the heart of whatever social issue you could explore that way, you know? Yeah, like yeah. using cheaper by the dozen to talk really hard about like single parenting or something. <laughs> I don't know if he is. Is he single down there? I feel like he must be for, com- no. for comedy reasons. Is Cheap, he no, he's got no, he's got a wife spitting all those kids. Oh shit. Well, I know that someone has to give birth to the children. I just thought, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought maybe. So let me explain what you think. <laughs> sit down, sit down, son. <laughs> when a mummy and a daddy love each other. No, uh, I, yeah, because yeah. I was gonna say like in uh, there's been some you know body swap comedies where men have become women or whatever, and women become men. But there's never been a scene where like a guy in a woman's body is suddenly threatened with rape or like actual real world issues. So, sure, like, that sounds pretty. You know, it's always pretty light and breezy and all about them having to like try on makeup and stuff. Yeah, but um, get yeah, some real issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds a good idea. Um, I'd I'd happily watch them do it. I like that it's going to be with the original cast as well. <laughs> that would make it for a great double bill. Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of a cool idea to remake a movie with the same people but with a totally different tone as well. Yeah, a bit like when Woody Allen did Melinda and Melinda, but if it was like those are two separate movies years apart. Yeah, they should remake Airplane more like like nineteen ninety three. Like get- or just like whatever movie that was parodying, just do it straight. Yeah, <laughs> take the jokes out, <laughs> do it absolutely straight. Make it epic. Give it ten times the budget. Um, I was just gonna say that I'm glancing a little more at this um, Hollywood Reporter interview with the two Daniels. They say some other fun stuff. They seem like quite entertaining characters. I'm bloody excited for their movie, by the way. Devin Farachi declared it to be the best film of 2016, which is high praise for a farting boner corpse film with only two people in it. Um, anyway. They say they want they really want to work with Jackie Chan and Rowan Atkinson and Sheila Berth. Those are like yes, that, make I mean, that happen. That please make those three people star in a film together. They're all looking for a project that will resurrect their careers, right? Rowan Atkinson hasn't done anything that great in a while. Jackie Chan was last seen in Dragon Blade, starring opposite um, Roman Centurion uh, John Cusack. Yeah, yeah, hasn't made a English language hit in a while. Yeah, and uh, Sheila Berf similarly is just doing his bizarre hashtag art projects, which is like clip my toenails or like you know come and tweak my nose. I'll be sitting in a booth in a restaurant in like LA or something. Um, so I feel like he could d- use a good dramatic role again, also. So I think they'll be all. I think it'd be awesome. And uh, the interviewer asks, "What would be the right project for Sheila Berf?" And Daniel Scheinert says something where he lights his hair on fire and it doesn't ruin the movie. Some sort of concept where the actor goes insane like our version of Bad Grandpa. So I'm already bloody excited to the follow-up uh, for Swiss Army Men, which is like a version of Bad Grandpa, uh, but with Sheila Berth and Ron Atkinson and Jackie Chan. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask-punchingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So Embrace of the Serpent, this is... The latest Colombian Amazonian tribe meditative uh, on colonialism movie. Another yeah. one. To take the world by storm. Yeah. It's directed by Ciro Guerrero, who I had never heard of before, but is apparently some sort of young filmmaking prodigy. He made his first film when he was 23 and was super acclaimed, and he's made two films since. I guess he's like, oh, I actually was supposed to be growing in that time. I made a film by mistake, so I've got to go become an adult. Now he's back, and he's written this film with... Jacques Toulemond Vidal, which is an awesome name. That is an awesome name. And basically the plot is, in 1909, in the Amazon jungle, a German scientist called Theodore Koch-Grunberg, with his travelling companion uh, Manduka, enlists the help of a local shaman called Karamakate when Theodore gets sick, and the only thing that will cure him is a sacred plant called the 
Yakaruna plants, which is several days' journey away. And then the story um, flashes forward or just goes forward to 1940, where an American scientist called Richard Evans Schultz, who has read the diaries of Theodore and is also seeking the Yakaruna plant, meets an older Karamakate. And the film follows these two journeys and these two timelines and they sort of interweave to talk about how that period of time has been devastating for the region. So this film is awesome. I loved it. Far be it for me to agree with all the bloody intelligentsia, but yeah. it's great. And um, watching it is a very unique, meditative, sort of semi-spiritual experience because it's um, there's something very dreamlike about the movie. It's all set in this jungle. And I think just the ongoing soundtrack of just sort of teeming life and water flowing puts you in this sort of certain mind space of like everything's kind of ebbing and flowing. Well, it sounds like noises they would play you in a sensory deprivation <laughs> tank or something. Yeah, like it is yeah. a bit like that. And um, this is coupled with this amazing black and white photography by the cinematographer David Gallagher, which is stunning. He shoots with like, this massive depth of field. And uh, it's such a cliche, but it's a real, it's a film you get lost in. It's like you really sort of get sucked into it. And also the way the sort of two timelines are seamlessly mixed in. There's no sort of harsh cuts between them. So they kind of like ebb and flow. And so as you sort of like... You ever confused about what timeline you're in? Not really, but it's just like, it's not, it doesn't make a point of like juxtaposing it sort of visually, if that makes sense. It sort of just uh, eases into each other. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it's like awesome to look at. But when you strip back all the sort of lyrical beauty and poetic nature of the visuals, the actual story construction is kind of brilliant. And the way the timelines are intertwined is very cleverly done. And it's a film which has a lot to say and um, doesn't sacrifice the visuals for the story or vice versa, if that makes any sense. So the film is about colonialism and how the Amazonian tribes were decimated by the rubber trade and also by missionaries who felt it was their duty to just um, convert these people to Christianity. And the structure allows you to see the tribes, like in 1909, where they've already been sort of decimated, and then 30 years later, where their culture is now almost completely gone. And it's kind of uh, almost sci-fi-like in the way, it's like you've just hopped in a time machine, and so you see like one disaster happen, and you see 30 years on, and like all these like little moments that happened then have led over 30 years to like this new situation and there's some real surreal moments in it which are very grounded but a bit like this is something out of a crazy horror movie um which i wasn't really expecting i thought it was going to be shots of leaves and stuff yeah and all that stuff is really interesting particularly because i mean the kind of point of the movie is that we know very little about the culture there and the two characters are real people and basically their diaries are all that we know about Amazon tribes from these two accounts and the photos they took. And so just the details of the history about these, like what happened is kind of fascinating unto itself. And it's definitely a movie with a message about, and it ends with like a sort of, this is the director's statement about it. But this message isn't, doesn't overwhelm the film. And I think it's because there's a really strong emotional core with these two very sweet and compelling like odd couple relationships between the younger Karamakati and Theodore and the older Karamakati and this um, Richard character. And the both the actors are amazing. It's a real, I don't know if it's, I'm just sort of, it's like a slight sort of because it's subtitled, I'm maybe not getting all the nuances, but they really convince as the same character in mm. a way which is, 
I don't know how you do that. You know, it's just sort of really impressive. And the younger guy, um, Nilbio Torres, has got this real presence about him. The opening shot is like this kind of beautiful flowing across the water. And then there's just this kind of awesome looking guy with a spear. And like, this guy is a fucking badass. I'm already, this guy's amazing. He's got this real nobility to him. And he's like a fascinating character. And he's like a sort of, um, something about the film is that the characters are sort of ciphers in a way. And he is the last of his tribe. And he's trying to desperately preserve his history against the tide of colonialism. And so there's definitely a sort of symbolic nature to his characterization. But it's just done so well that he convinces us of character unto himself. And it's really cleverly done how that's his sort of like hostile sort of trying to take on the world, desperately trying to like kind of fight just the inevitability of history is juxtaposed with the older actor, Antonio Bolivia, who is now just like, he's almost like he's a bit senile and resigned everything. And it's really melancholic, mm. kind of tone of the movie. And uh, yeah, and it's basically got everything in it. There's like some funny, there's like comedy sequences in it. I was very moved by it. I don't know, it resists easy characterization, which I think is a good sign. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds awesome. But I also, I only saw this movie three hours ago. And I'm thinking like in a two, ask me to review this in a month and I'll like, I'd have nailed it. It would have all seeped in. Sure. I would have got all the nuances. Sure, like episode 81, we'll do this again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would highly recommend it. I don't know if this is like is too obvious a sort of uh, comparison to make, but because it's about these opposing forces of the sort of spiritual, like nature worshipping uh, Amazonians and the sort of you know, quote unquote, more civilized white people. Uh, I think like the film you could read it as it both has the sort of spiritual aspect in that the way it shoots like nature and it's very sort of embraces. It's like from the Amazonian's point of view and it isn't afraid to like have dream sequences and stuff. Uh, and then I'm like wondering if like that's the Amazonian's point of view and then the sort of more story stuff is the sort of more logical, science-y thing of the white people. Does this point make sense? But like the movie puts those so two together. Or... Yeah, it yeah. like harmonizes those in a way which is like seamless. Yeah. And I think that's the most impressive thing about it. It's like, you know, the the form of the story matches the story it's telling. So go see it. It's one of the Prince Charles. And, Embrace. Um, Embrace it. I think circuit. maybe the ICA is playing it. Any place where you can get a Pinot Grigio for like 12 quid will be playing Embrace of the Serpent. <laughs> cool. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Well, I saw a different film to you. I went to see a film called Adult Life Skills, which I saw a trailer for before uh, Chicken. Come to see Chicken, July the 11th. Uh, Book your tickets now. And uh, it looked like a sort of fun comedy and I saw some like good buzz about it on Twitter, so I was like, I will watch you. I was thinking I'm going to see Tale of Tales, but at the time I just would have preferred, you know, I felt like I want to see a nice low-key character comedy British drama thing, not some like insane fantasy epic or whatever. So anyway, it's a comedy drama starring Jodie Whittaker, who you may recognize from Attack the Block, um, and she is just about to turn 30, and she's a bit um, listless, going through a rough time. She lives in a shed, uh, at the bottom of her mother's garden and she just sort of sits in there making videos in which her thumbs talk to each other um, <laughs> and uh, 
the film kind of charts a bit of a quarter life crisis from her as she reconnects with an old school friend and a local guy flirts with her and she remembers making these videos as a kid with her brother and various things like that so here's a clip of her mom trying to get her out of her own house and into a flat um and she's being shown around that with uh, her mom and her nan council toilet block looks salubrious by comparison have you got anything else we can look at? Not within your specifications, I'm afraid. Perhaps you should consider lowering your expectations. Or I could just give up on life completely. I can't really imagine her bringing someone back here. I wonder if there are any women in the world shagging less oh, than us three. Will you not use that word, please? F***ing! I cannot believe you're my mother. Let's get a blood test. Sorry. Right. Have you thought about Brendan? I think he's quite hunky. Define hunk, Marion. Well, I don't think anyone's been hunky since about 1965. Brendan's gay. I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Oh, it's ideal, Mum. Look, I'm just saying it would be healthy for you to be emotionally involved with someone. Emotionally involved? No, Are we in Pride and Prejudice now? It would be good to develop a bond. I don't need a bond no, you with didn't anyone. give Luke a chance. Jesus, Marion, the hairdresser? Have you gone completely mad? You know I can't stand a man who wears Ugg boots. I thought they looked quite cosy. Cosy? Anna doesn't need cosy. She needs a man with arms chiselled out of granite that can chuck her across the bedroom. It's what all women want. A monosyllabic lumberjack with an artistic streak. So, um, I really liked it. It's good fun. It's not breaking any new ground particularly. And it's somewhat formulaic, especially towards the end. The end is a little bit conventional. But it's very charming. And it's obviously made with a lot of love. And it's full of nice little details. It feels somewhat autobiographical, mainly because it's obviously about... It's like the first time film made by someone who's like obviously very arts and crafty. And that's kind of like the yeah. topic of the movie is someone who's got a lot of creative impulses and isn't able to channel them into you know productive professional life and stuff. Jodie Whittaker is really, really excellent in it. She's very funny um, and sells all the dramatic stuff really, really well. Kind of same how she did in Attack the Block, where she has to do comedy stuff and, like, you know, be scared of aliens. And uh, there's a really great child's performance. I'm a big sucker for kids' performances, you know? Yeah. If there's a good, convincing, cute kid in a film, I'm pretty much, that's 8 out of 10 for me right away. Uh, even if the rest of the film is total garbage. <laughs> and uh, so she like strikes up this friendship with this child called Clint. She works in some kind of activity community center place that I didn't ever really get a handle on what they did there. But like they do some activities for children and one of them is like a bit troubled and weird and like annoys the other kids. And so she ends up having to look after him and he dresses like a cowboy all the time. And he's just like, he was brilliant in it. He um really well written or really well performed or I don't know if he just improvised it or whatever, but he, there's this great... Um, I think it's very clever the way that he is adorable, but he never says like the cute thing. Like he's quite rude, Brilliant. and uh, and but it, but that is cute. You yeah. know what I mean? Kids being rude is every hilarious. time you expect him. Every time she sort of reaches out to him and she's like trying to connect with him, he will just say some like twatty thing. Um, does he? Does he swear at her? Don't think so. Does he like drop the C bomb at her? Yes, a lot actually. <laughs> when I said don't think so, I thought <laughs> twice. I was like, there's a lot of C bombs actually it comes out of this kid's mouth. It's quite, sounds hilarious quite the young sailor um <laughs> no not there isn't um but yeah but, but they're really good um alice lowe is in it oh, from cool. sightseers she's very lowe. funny in it and all the sort of little british comedy character stuff all works really well 
um, and all the arts and craftsy stuff and acoustic guitar montages. I can see how you can sneer at it a little yeah. bit um, because it's relatively fluffy. Uh, but I was kind of charmed by it. Is There's it, a sorry. Go ahead. No, is it like cinematic or does it feel? Does it, you, uh, I mean, feels it's, like the budget it is. It's a low budget movie, yeah. but they do creative stuff with the visuals. You know, to an extent. I didn't feel like I was like it's totally flat. You know, they definitely yeah. are trying to do things with it, and. Uh, it's there's some like personal tragedy in injected into the backstory which kind of is gives the movie its dramatic heft but that slightly lessens the extent to which it's a story about just being in your 20s and not knowing what to do with yourself which is kind of how it presents itself and that's like what the title suggests yeah so i was gonna you know i was engaging with it on that level but you feel like in order to create like proper emotional drama there are you know these tragic aspects sure. of the story uh, but that like undercuts, you know, because if she's like sad and, you know, lonely, then it's because of this thing rather than just because general like just general mid twenties malaise. Yeah. yeah. So you know that makes it a, a more like conventional narrative, but um, you know, you know, it might be boring if it's just literally about someone who doesn't have any real problems, just kind of moping around. But it, but it makes it less, you know, um, relatable, I guess. Because instead of you, you, you feel like you're learning less about being in your twenties because like not everyone has this aspect to their sure, lives. Sure, sure. And there's, they, they they do that with her, and they do a similar thing with the uh, with the kid as well. And uh, it kind of puts a bit of a disconnect between the comedy and the drama because like the comedy comes out of like observational stuff about that being that period of life, and you know, and that sort of thing. And all the drama is like supplied by these like plugged in uh, tragedies. So I didn't I didn't think that was like wholly successful. But it's it's you know done relatively well. There's a romance in it which is quite cute, but feels a little bit tacked on. And she's got a friend who crops up occasionally and like obviously likes her, but she does doesn't really. It could be removed from the film and really have no impact <laughs> on it. Um, the guy who plays him does quite a good job of being a bit like geeky and awkward, but also very hunky. It's like if you saw a picture of him, you'd be like, this guy is a total babe. And um, he opens his mouth, you're like, what the? F- what? He's a total nerd. Why is the babe talking like a nerd? I'm so confused. <laughs> This film is brilliant. <laughs> that was my that was my thought process. Why is this babe talking like a nerd? <laughs> Talk like a babe. Um, Talk like what you are, a babe. So yeah, I mean, there's not loads to say about it really. It's just charming. It's it just, just kind of it char- just charms you. It's charming, and then you. It's another one of those films. I feel like I was reading something similar recently where it's like. Uh, you feel like the mechanics of storytelling kick in at the end and it's like you know we got to wrap these things up there has to be drama things have to happen sure you know it's like i've said what i wanted to say and now we have to have a story and then it ends it's it, it does quite a nice job of um well in the movie she's like looking back at her the stuff she did when, was, when she was a kid with her twin brother like creative stuff and they made videos together and, and things like that and uh i found like there was particular resonance with me watching it because she has like a box of mini dvs and that's what we did all our filming on and i was like that's got to be a very specific period in time that technology yeah you know mini dv mini dv so i was like that's pretty cool and she's like you know looking at all this like stupid silly stuff as a teen and like feeling nostalgic about it and it's quite effective because she's sad watching it so her character's reaction is like she's not laughing at you know how funny she was whatever she's just sad but like the videos that they're watching are hilarious yeah so it puts you in a funny position as, as the audience because you're seeing it for the first time and it's like that's really funny but then like cuts back to her and she's like <laughs> you know bummed out about it because she has a different relationship to it than you do which i thought was quite nice and it does it's like you know uh, there's definitely something nostalgic about finding creative stuff when you did as a kid 
and you read it and you're like that's kind of cute but it's also like you know this is the past the past <laughs> is sad it is gone so yeah i mean i would definitely recommend it i'd recommend it as you know one of those like films to pop on if you want to watch a nice british comedy that's very intelligent cleverly made and like funny well played and stuff so I, I regard it as modest ambitions but you know successful and meeting them when Graf heard something that changed his life what he listened to when John Cusack made a mistake for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? And when Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. Danny, how many times have you seen the trailer for Inferno? Wow, about five times now. Can you take me through the plot of Inferno completely based Absolutely. on the trailer? Absolutely. So, so the first thing that happens... Tom Hanks... No, first thing no, that no, happens, no. Ben Foster is on top of a um, church, I think. Yeah. And some guys, like, do something, and he's like, ha ha, just commit suicide. Yeah, but they're I like, suspense. we've cornered you, we've cornered you, and you can't get away, you've got to tell us the secret. And he says, no, I'm not telling you, and he jumps and kills himself. Well, I suspect he's not actually dead, because he pops up in the trailer at the end. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so, so he's... And so... It's about like the beginning of Mission Impossible 4, when the guy jumps off the building and then throws an inflatable mattress onto the ground below him and lands on that. And then... Um, so... Robert Langdon, Tom Hanks is called in well, by they find, the same guy. Yeah, because they find something. They're like, we found something on his body. We found this. And you're the expert at finding about stuff. It's Dante's Inferno. Dante's Inferno. There's only one man in the world who's read it. Robert Langdon. Yeah. And then Felicity Jones is like a sort of sparky British aide. I don't know. Sort of yeah. just museum assistant. She's this inappropriately young and sexy assistant. And so they're looking at Dante's painting and they're like, what's going on? He's like, they, Dante, Dante created our uh, modern view of hell. Yeah. 600 years ago. And so that leaves us some clues. But why, why, why Dante, though? Why Dante? Why this map Dante, Dante, Dante's death mask. Dante's death mask. So yes. they go like, we're going to go see Dante's death mask. They go to look at Dante's death mask. Turns out he's already stolen it several days before, but can't remember. So they go, they go to Dante, they go to Florence. Dante's death mask is there. They've gone to see it. But it's been stolen. They look at the CCTV. He stole it. Robert Langdon has stolen it. He's stolen it. They're like, why'd you steal it? He's like, I don't remember doing that. I'm pretty sure I didn't do that. Yeah. But he's indisputably, he did do it. Yeah. So they... Well, then they're back. They're looking for more clues. Looking for more clues. He looks at the map. He's like, this is different to the original. It's been changed. Yeah. And he finds some letters. The letters spell out the word prophecy. (laughs) And he deduces that Dante's Inferno is a prophecy. Yeah. So... The Inferno is actually a, a, virus it's a virus created to just stop the world's... Uh, population growth is out of control. Yes, yeah, the plot of Utopia. It's the exact plot of Utopia. And um, and they've and, uh, some, some sinister people are out to unleash a plague. Yeah. And Dante predicted it, you know, when he, wrote, when he wrote Inferno. Yeah. He was trying to warn the world. He was like, 600 years from now, some people are going to unleash a plague. Yeah. Watch out. Watch but out. they just took it to be a story about hell, which is utterly stupid of them. And so he's got to stop it, but he can't trust what he's thinking, right? Because he's he can't remember what he's done. Yeah, he's he's brainwashed <laughs> by the cult. He could be about to unleash the plague himself. Do you reckon they've got like more than one type of sort of like virus? One of them is like sort of just the brainwashing one, brainwashing virus, and then like murder virus. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Don't get those mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's different true. circles of hell. There's nine circles of hell. 
Yeah. Nine different kinds of virus. Yeah. And the the top one is very minor. It's like the common cold or something. They've been unleashing that one for years. And then like the, you know, in the middle, it's the mind control one. They're just getting to that. <laughs> and then there's going to be a few more. And in the center. Yeah. It's just death and devastation. Anyway, so he's, he's only got 48 hours to stop an extinction level event. He, he does. An extinction level has got to be about as bad as the events get, isn't it? Yeah. Well, either stop it it's or even just get worse. on the opposite end of the globe. It's even worse than Brexit. No, I think Brexit was an extinction <laughs> level. That's good. Maybe that will turn out to be an extinction level event. Anyway, so listeners, we're going to leave you with that Inferno trailer again <laughs> so you can continue to live and enjoy it. Um, we'll be back next week. What are we going to be... Well, Farting Boner Corpse, if it's out. Either well, we're watching next Farting week or... Boner Corpse, man, if that's out. And maybe we'll see if Gods of Egypt is still around. That's obviously going to be a great movie to watch. It's going to be sick. Remember to book tickets for chicken. Yeah, book tickets James, for chicken. 15 tickets. <laughs> Thanks, 15 James. tickets, James. And stay safe, okay? Don't go outside if you can avoid it. Call your friends and family and let them know that you love them. Um, and just generally huddle together for warmth because yeah. it's the end times. Just download all 78 episodes of Film Chats. Listen to that on the loop. And that will keep you uh, sane <laughs> and happy. Throughout the dark years. Yeah. Winter has come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, listeners. Bye. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening, listeners. If you weren't listening, you'd be terrible listeners.